Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to all that you would have for us, that we could see new and wonderful things in your Word. And for that, we'll say thank you. Amen? So I want to look a little bit more closely at Mary and some stuff about Mary's life. And the scripture goes like this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and was greeted by Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't you love this? You've got, you've got Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit moving in a baby inside the womb. In a loud voice, she exclaims, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Again, isn't this fascinating? She's the, that she somehow knows that it is the Lord inside Mary. As soon as the sound of greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things to me and holy is his name. You know, when I read that, this line from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And I thought, like, what if Nate stood up and goes, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. We'd go egotist, right? Look at that Ed back there. By the way, everybody, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, right? I mean, we think, what, what is going on here? How could somebody be so bold as to say that? Right? Why is, why is it that way? But you know when I think about this? I think all of us are hungry for a blessing. Right? I remember uh, reading about the blessing and how important it is for you know, parents to bless their children and for us to know that we're blessed. And I think a lot of our efforts in this world are really to get a blessing. Like we want to be somebody. We want to know that that I am somebody. I remember talking to a guy that I used to work with and he said, you know, my dad was dying. And I said to him, dad, you know, by the way you talk about me, I, I would think that you have given birth to a, and he had some expletives there, uh, kind of person, you know, and he goes, my dad never corrected me. He just, he just let it. And then, he was so hungry, I could just tell, for, for the love of a father. And I remember, that's a picture of my grandpa on the right, and um, in, the, in the light blue shirt. He lived to be 101 and a half. And on the day of his funeral, I never knew this, I was talking to my mom, and somehow she said, you know, he never told me he loved me. And I was like, what? Papa never said I love you? No, never did. And I was thinking, wow, you know, you could have been like, okay, 100 years, check. 
I got a year and a half to take that, you know, like I waited a hundred years to say it. Um, but, you know, and we can make excuses, you know, probably didn't say it much in his family. Pro- you know, he came from that generation, you know. But what is it like to be a daughter of someone whose dad never said, I love you? I think you're hungry for those words. You're hungry for that, that blessing. We all hunger for to be able to say, I am blessed, I'm loved deeply, like we all have this desire to be somebody. I, I found this in, uh, my, my dad, you know, brought it to me. This was a time when my older brother, so we used to get our news from a paper, and it was delivered to our house. I think Chris Diamond and Jim Fenske still get it that way, but everybody else gets it from their phone now. But back in the day, you had carriers and they were typically young people. And I was one after my brother. And my brother was a plain dealer carrier. And as he's delivering the newspaper, maybe five in the morning, he looks over and in the bushes is a woman. Uh, maybe 15-year-old woman. And she's, he's like, is she sleeping? It's cold out. And he touched her. She was cold. She wouldn't wake up. Called the ambulance. She was, had kind of run away from home, was diabetic and went into like diabetic shock or coma or whatever and he saved your life like he was somebody and they printed an article in the paper you know about my older brother the plain dealer carrier saved someone's life i think we all have this desire to be able to say like i'm blessed and we want to be blessed in other people's eyes we're sore hungry for that voice not within ourselves but somehow outside of ourselves to define us. Henry Nouwen says this, he says, that issue here is the question, to whom do I belong, to God or the world? Many of my daily preoccupations suggest that I belong more to the world than to God. Why? Because a little criticism makes me angry, a little rejection makes me depressed, a little praise raises my spirits, a little success excites me. It takes very little to raise me up and thrust me down. Often, I'm like a small boat on the ocean, completely at the mercy of its waves. All the time and energy I spend keeping some kind of balance and preventing myself from being tipped over and drowning shows that my life is mostly a struggle for survival. Not a holy struggle, but an anxious struggle resulting from a mistaken idea that it's the world that defines me. It's like I want the blessing of the world. You know, I thought about that because all of us are a little bit like these guys that Jesus is talking to. He says, you examine the scriptures. These are the religious guys because you think in them you have eternal life. And it's those very scriptures that testify about me. And you're unwilling to come to me so that you might have life. What are we really looking for in the blessing? We're looking for life, aren't we? We're looking for that that thing, and you know, when you and I chain ourselves to other people, when, when we chain ourselves to our performance or to, to the praises of others, we are like now and says, we're just up and down. But Mary, she's connected, isn't she? she she's blessed because she's attached to the savior of her soul. All of us struggle with life. Have you ever, have, have you fallen into this? I will be happy when things get back to normal. You know, now Jesus isn't enough for me right now. What I need is to have community of hope be back to normal, right? And somebody says, Pastor, I come to church and it's not the same. And you know what I say? Neither is Walmart, right? Nothing, like this is just, 
It's a weird, mushy time. But we can't chain ourselves and our happiness to our times, can we? No, in Jesus is found life and life everlasting. And during the darkness, we got to remind each other of this. I mean, I think of Mary, and she's got Jesus within her. But later in the Gospel of Mark, we read when his family, that's Jesus' family, heard about this, they went to take custody of him, saying he's out of his mind. And sometimes in the darkness, we have to hold on to the truth. And even Jesus' family, during the darkness, they're like, what is going on? You know, they, they struggled, and we struggle too. Because we, we have to rest in the blessing. Now, what is the blessing? What was Mary's qualifications to be blessed? Do you ever think about this? Um, I'm going to sit on the board of a, of a, a nonprofit. Um, and he said, hey, can you send me your bio? And I'm like, bio? So I Googled, what do I, how do I write a bio, right? So I'm like, here's this. And then it's like two or three most impressive, relevant achievements. Can I say I couldn't do it? I just, I, doesn't it feel weird to go, hey, do you know what I did? I gave it to Jojo and said, could you fill this in a little bit? And so she wrote flowery things about it much better than what I had done. And, uh, but Mary, what was her, what was her bio? What did she have that would make us, you know, be impressed with her? Well, I think she kind of describes herself a little bit here. She says, his mercy extends to those who fear him. I would say that's probably Mary. From generation to generation, he performs mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. So he, she's, she's humble. That's on her bio. He brought down the rulers from their thrones and lifted up the, the Marys of the world. Right? It's filled the hungry with good things. She probably knew what it was like to be hungry and sent the rich away empty and wasn't rich. Mary was a nobody. She was somebody that you wouldn't pick for the baseball team, right? I, I like what, uh, uh, but she was handpicked by God. Right? She was chosen by him. I like what uh, Chad Bird said. He said, the more unimpressive our jobs are, the more lackluster our bio, the more we feel like we're just a name on a list or a face in a crowd, the more we are the perfect venue for God's ongoing work in the world. Don't you love that? The nobodies. If God is anything, he is a God who has a thing for the normal. He strolls right past bikini Miss Universe to crown the homely girl with acne and braces. He is a God who turns every expectation inside out. The scriptures are packed with illustrations of this tendency. To begin with, God goes out of his way to handpick the wrong people for the most important mission. The Bible is like an HR handbook from hell. Here's everything you should not do when looking for the perfect candidate for a position. Need a woman to become a mother of the promised son? Instead of choosing a robust 25-year-old, the Lord taps a postmenopausal, wrinkled 90-year-old named Sarah for the job. She doubles over laughing when God brings it up. A few months later, she's shuffling about with her walker while shopping for maternity dresses. Don't you love that image? Need someone to lead the emancipation of the slaves from the most powerful nation on earth? 
as well as to serve as a spokesperson for those oppressed people, rather than choosing the ancient equivalent of a Navy SEAL or a quick-tongued Secretary of State, he handpicks a stuttering 80-year-old shepherd named Moses, who's on the lamb for 40 years after beating a man to death. Book after book, from Genesis to Revelation, the Lord demonstrates that he shuns the tried and true methods of an orthodox headhunter. He sends men and women on errands they're ill-equipped, I'm sorry, ill-qualified to fulfill. And nothing has changed in today's world. He continues to buck our man-made religious systems by inserting men and women into them who don't meet our qualifications. But they meet God's. He's delighted to use them in his kingdom to show all of us that it's not by brain power or brawn, but by the spirit of love that the Father gets things done. Isn't that beautiful? See, what I want to wish for all of us is that we would have a merry Christmas. That we could get in touch with our nothingness, right? I mean, who, who are we? We are people who under the law stand condemned. We are people who cannot be righteous. No, not at all. We need the gift of righteousness. Like Mary, we need the imputed righteousness. I don't care what's on your bio before God. You are poor, naked, and wretched without his gift of righteousness. But when we get that, when we get in touch with our merriness and we're like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this gift of righteousness. There's something beautiful that goes on inside of us, isn't there? When we say, Lord, just as Mary was handpicked, I'm handpicked by you for a mission for a cause. I'm a nobody that you are going to use to be somebody because all generations will call me blessed because I am in you and you are in me and you are the ultimate blessing and blesser that I seek. Can I get an amen to that? It's so true. Lastly, I want to talk about why God created mosquitoes. I know that this is a question that in the winter everyone is asking but I figured it's a good point to end on. I mean, have you ever asked yourself that question? So I Googled this, and I love this. Um, i sorry it's in red. I don't think it shows up as well. Mosquitoes were part of God's creation, but they were wholly vegetarian. And you know what I love about this? Were the guys back there? Did the mosquitoes go, uh, we prefer avocados over grapefruits, right? Um, there was no need for mosquitoes to bite humans or animals for blood. The need for mosquitoes to prey on humans resulted from the fall and the curse that followed. This may be true. I don't know. They don't know either. I know why they're basing it, because they're in, the, in the garden they didn't eat animals yet. And so he's saying, I guess mosquitoes were there, but they didn't eat any blood. Maybe, maybe not. Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the world. Mosquitoes are parasites, aren't they? I mean, there they are. They... they, they Here's a funny story. So I really believe that mosquitoes don't bother me as much as other people. And one time I was with my twin brother, and I'm going, you know, Dwight, mosquitoes don't bite me. They just don't bite me. And he goes, well, Doug, there's one sucking blood out of your lip at this moment. So now I say, I don't notice mosquitoes as much as other people. They may still bite me, but I don't notice them as much. It was funny. Like one time I was in New York City, and I was with my son, Ben, 
And he goes, Dad, you want some chapstick? I go, nah, my lips are fine. He's like, your lips are bleeding. Oh, I guess I do want chapstick, son. I just don't notice things, I guess. So what's a parasite? A living thing that lives in or on another living thing. Gets food and sometimes shelter uh, from it and usually causes harm to it. Here's a noun. A person who lives at the expense of another. Parasite. So, parasite? Seems to fit the definition. And women go, see my stretch marks? See my stretch marks? Caused harm, right? <laughs> right? Caused, when, when Gretchen delivered uh, Ben and Hannah, she didn't sound happy at those moments. Happiness came later, right? Caused harm. Parasite? And this is what I found kind of fascinating. So, so Jesus, in, in a real sense, lived off of Mary, right? And then Mary lived off of Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, the eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that, a baby and a fetus in a, a woman's womb. So Jesus, dependent, on Mary and Mary saved by the baby she carried, the mother of my Lord. Now, I know uh, this will help put it together because I got this concept from C.S. Lewis, but you have to turn your thinking caps on. C.S. Lewis says this in a uh, sermon or an essay called Miracles. He said, in the incarnation, we get, of course, the idea of vicariousness. That's... Um, uh, like vicarious sacrifices, Jesus died for me. He was my stand-in. And C.S. Lewis expresses this more deeply. He says, of one person profiting from the earning of another. It's the highest form that is the very center of Christianity. We also find the same vicariousness to be characteristic of nature. It is a law of nature, natural universe, that no being can exist on its own resources. Everyone, everything is hopelessly indebted to everyone and everything else. The universe, as we now see it, this is a, the source of many of the greatest horrors, all the horrors of carnivorousness and the worst horrors of parasites, those horrible animals that live under the skin of other animals and so on, mosquitoes. And yet suddenly, seeing it in light of the Christian story, one realizes that vicariousness is not in itself bad. That all these animals and insects and the horrors are merely the principle of vicariousness twisted in one way. For when you think it out, nearly everything good in nature also comes from vicariousness after all the child both before and after birth lives on its mother just as a parasite lives on its host that one being a horror the other being a source of almost every natural goodness in the world it all depends upon what you do with the principle isn't that fascinating so uh, Jim when he serves communion what does he usually say there's life in the blood of Jesus. It, doesn't he say that? Do you know when the mosquito's buzzing, you know what he's saying? There is life in your blood. That's what, that's what he's buzzing. And, and, and 
see, this vicariousness runs. So although I still dislike mosquitoes, they are going to remind me that they are living off of me and I live off of Jesus. I am vicariously, he's, his sacrifice, his death. He, Jesus said, they don't come to me and find what? Life. We are vicariously connected to Jesus. Why mosquitoes? A little confused vicariousness, if you ask me. Will you pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for the way you made things and that your good news and things that are true about you help us understand the world in even bigger and better ways. Lord, as we go from here, I pray that you would help us get in touch with our merriness, that we could deeply know the blessing that we have in you. When the other voices speak to us about our worth or tell us to strive to prove something to the world, we can rest and say, I am somebody in you. I have a righteousness that's not of my own, that's come to me as a gift. And I have a forgiveness and grace and confidence. And whether you're sitting here hearing me pray this or you're online, let it sink in. Don't let this moment go by without breathing deep, connecting with the living God and saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming as a baby. Thank you that in you and independence on you is life and life abundantly. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.